Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. A warning this episode discusses sex and some personal issues that may not be suitable for all listeners, especially younger kids. Any of my vintage growing up in the 80s and 90s knows my guest today, Alison Bray. As a teen who wanted a career in journalism, I consumed magazines like Oxygen, and Alison was the epitome of a Dolly magazine cover girl, and everyone wanted to be her. Even as I posted on socials that I was speaking to Alison today, my childhood friends instantly messaged me in excitement and gushing recollections of how much they love Alison Bray. She was a fresh-faced and golden-skinned model with a naturally beautiful smile. She was as well-known as Aussie supermodel Elle McPherson and was on covers everywhere. Better still that she fell in love with and married another Australian icon, singer and actor Cameron Daddo, in their early 20s, and they are still together today. To recap on her story, Alison began working as a model at 16. She was an instant hit in both the magazine and commercial worlds and soon found herself in demand in Australia, London and Tokyo. Big name clients like Coca-Cola and Speedo came calling as well as the magazines I mentioned, including Dolly, Cosmo and Clio. In 1992, she graced the cover of Dolly seven times and in Clio was voted among the top most influential women of the century by its readers. Alison was also the face of Portman's through one of their most successful periods and later became the face of Jackie E clothing label. In the 90s, she became the host of one of Australia's most enduring and successful children's television programs, Here's Humphrey, and she went on to host her own afternoon show for the Nine Network, Guess What? Then Alison and Cameron moved to LA in 1992, and it came as a shock to Alison's management when one day she walked away from that lucrative modelling and acting career to follow her heart. In 2013, she achieved her degree from UCLA in early childhood and embarked on a successful career in childcare. Alison returned with her family to Australia in 2016 to spend time with her parents and unite her children with their homeland. She still teaches and has created a popular podcast called Separate Bathrooms with her husband and it's produced by Nova Entertainment. Now in her 50s, Alison has experienced a lot of the changes every woman of a certain age does menopause. She's written a book, Queen Menopause, published by Alan and Unwin, in fact, and for a very long time, menopause was treated like a deeply hidden secret. And I know my own personal experience, my mother barely talked about it in company, although I know she suffered symptoms for a long time while she kept working, raising me, and just trying to navigate life. So times have changed mostly, I hope. So let's get into this, Alison, and welcome to the politics of everything. Thank you so much, Amber. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since 2017, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution to make the process quick and painless, the way podcasting should be. If you know me, I'm pretty obsessed with quality guests, quality content, and quality sound, and that's what Zencaster allows me to do. Not to mention, it's really easy to use, even for my guests that aren't particularly tech-savvy. There's nothing to download, they just click on the link and we start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production all in the one tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get each episode done. I want you to have the same great experience that I do for all my podcasts and content needs. So I have a special offer for you. If you go to zen.ai forward slash politics of everything, 
and enter this promo code, you'll get 30% off in your first three months when you sign up to Zencaster Pro. That's Z-E-N dot A-I, politics of everything. It's now time to share your story. Okay, we're going to go back a little bit. I always ask my guests that, you know, what they wanted to be when they grow up. And of course, we know you became a model, but do you remember what you thought you might be before you were discovered? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, from the, my earliest, earliest memory days, uh, there was two things I only ever wanted to be. One was a mum and the other was an early childhood teacher. I used to say, oh, you've done both. I've done both. <laughs> and I never wavered. I never wavered from those two things. And my, my sisters still make fun of me about it. They're like, oh, yeah, that's all she ever talked about. I mean, I remember being at the age of five. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd be like, I want to be a kindergarten teacher. And I like teaching kids my own age at the same time, sort of thing that I was saying it. But yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Excellent. I read in an article that you've always prided yourself in aging with grace. And let's be honest, your genetic lottery is, is pretty good compared to a lot of us. And then of course, menopause hit. Like many other women, um, the usual symptoms, gaining weight, losing your beto, And then I guess from a lot of people still suffering in silence. Do you recall when you started to feel the so-called change and how you managed it day to day before you kind of sought some help? Oh, yeah. Look, I was still living in LA and I was around 45. And the first symptom for me was the changes in my cycle. And that was just going from a very regular gal to, you know, a period every two weeks and then a really light period and then a crazy, crazy heavy period. And I still kind of wasn't exactly putting two and two together because I was super, super naive about anything to do with perimenopause, menopause. Then I started getting the hot flushes, but they kind of kicked in more once I had arrived back in Australia. So it all coincided with my move back here. So they were the first symptoms. And for some time, I kind of didn't do much about it because I think, unfortunately, like a lot of women, we tend to just go, oh, yeah, it's just this or, oh, just that. Oh, I'm just stressed or it'll go away or it'll be fine or, you know, carry on, carry on. So it took me a while to, till it got to a level where it was, I was not functioning very well at all, particularly with my sleep and mood swings. And um, that's when I finally got some help. So communication is key when it comes to managing menopause and it's really, that's no different to many life matters. And you recommend choosing a time when you're in a good headspace to perhaps share with your partner, if you have one, what you're feeling or maybe people in your life that you're living and working with. This can be hard for some of us and I'm a pretty headstrong independent person who tends to just carry on a little bit as well and not tell anyone what's going on. Do you have some examples of how you can navigate this successfully without sort of making it, you know, something else that you have to add to your list that probably when you're not in a great headspace can feel a bit overwhelming yeah it's going to sound it's going to sound really self-promoting but but I'm hoping that you can you know I've had a lot of messages from women that have just said I just gave my husband or my partner your book to read and it has changed their perspective on menopause to be able to understand because I've just because it is hard like I even the book that I wrote it was still challenging for me to explain to my husband exactly what I was feeling because I felt so crazy and I felt, you know, so nuts and I felt so like it doesn't sound like it's anything, but it is like just feeling hot, like, oh, you're having a hot flush. But those hot flushes 
can be absolutely debilitating, especially if you're at work or if you're in a situation where, you know, you're trying to sort of do a speech or you're, I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, I've- Yeah, it'll, it'll always happen at the most inconvenient totally, time. And I look like, totally. you know, and it's just like probably, you know, there's a physical manifestation of that. So that's the other thing. You can't just sort of hide it. You can't. You really, really can't. So, but look, I, I think... I think, as I said, you know, just to be able to find a moment where it's like, okay, I'm not in the depths of a mood swing. I'm not, I'm not boiling hot. I, I just want to talk to you about a few things that I am feeling and, he, you know, hear some information or, you know, you do your research or the, honestly, the best thing you could probably do is to get your husband to come with you to your doctor and go go together. So he gets to listen in on what the doctor says. As long as you've got a doctor that gives you the care and the time that you need. Like I don't want anyone going to a doctor just to be dismissed and then your husband's like, see, I told you it was nothing. Yeah, so absolutely. find your right doctor, bring your hubby partner with you and, and, and get them to listen in. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm assuming that you did go to a GP and I think some of the book you talk about, you know, that process of how, you know, medically that's been treated, menopause, perimenopause, all of that period for women and, and, you know, for example, dishing out antidepressants. And, of course, antidepressants have a very important role in mental health and well-being. But yeah. for a lot of us that's a dissatisfying solution for something that we don't feel like is a mental illness. So can you share without, you know, obviously going too personal into some of your own medical remedies, but, you know, what, what you sort of got when you went to the GP and it's not to malign the GPs it might just be how it's been done for however long yeah look it's it, this has been a, a sort of a bit of an eye-opener for me because I I was actually really fortunate I saw I was recommended this fabulous lady Christelle Romano who is a hormone specialist and uh, she's a GP but she's specifically works with women uh, and their hormones. So I went to see her and I also have a naturopath I adore. It's who I've always, I've always gone the naturopathic route anyway. But so I went to see both of those women and my, that my GP, Christelle, hormone specialist, she immediately had me doing a full blood workup because at that sort of age, there are things that could be changing. There could be things that could be mimicking menopause as well that's not actually menopause. So there's things that she checked like my thyroid, my all my vitamin levels. And that was amazing because what then happened, she, she had me on more vitamin D and B12. So that started to get my body into more balance. And once I was more balanced, of course, then it's your body is able to cope with the changes in the hormones. Then I've got my naturopath who's working with the hormones as well. And she's also working with me to sort of get me to sleep better, which of course is the cornerstone of anything about feeling better is being able to sleep. She also had some natural remedies for sort of my mood and and my anxiety as well. So between the two of them, I felt really well taken care of because not only were they caring they gave me a lot of their time and I I had a lot of a lot of assistance that way Uh, again a lot of uh, there are great GPs out there you know the HRT has been life-changing for so many women and you know I recommend that as well because I've I can only say that I've heard so many women having great results on that but 
it's been a really interesting thing to hear. And this because it wasn't my experience with GPs and, and the world of menopause, it's actually I've heard it from other other GPs. I've heard it from other GPs saying, look, we're not doing women enough service with how we are treating them when it comes to menopause. So it really is searching and finding the right person to, to treat you. And, and if it's not the right person, find someone else. Like don't sort of feel like you have to stay with that one doctor. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's too much of an important time to have someone dismiss how you're feeling. And I imagine that treatment gets adjusted over time because obviously it's, yes. it's linked to whether you're in perimenopause or menopause or, you know, you're kind of exiting men, you know, menopause as well. There'll be different right. options for you. Yep, yep, that's exactly right, yeah, yep. So when was the turning point for you that you decided that to make menopause a bit of a cause, if you like, and, and write a book? You know, it's it's interesting that, you know, obviously you've gone through this experience, but, you know, for example, you're not necessarily a doctor and it's you're just another woman, but obviously with a profile, like did that sort of part of the, you know, championing this cause or were you just more interested just to tell your own personal story or a bit of both? Gosh, look, I think... It was it was all a bit of a weird <laughs> it was a weird way that it that it came about. I mean, I had I love writing. I love I've written sort of articles in America and a few articles here and I always had dreamed of writing a book and but I always thought it was going to be a book on some fictional fairy story somewhere or you know set in Ireland or something. <laughs> and but once once I hit this perimenopause and once I was struggling so deeply and I was so taken aback by this perimenopause world that I've now found myself in and, and then started diving deep into what are the other symptoms and what is actually happening. And it just sort of was so astonishing to me that I had no one had ever mentioned it to me. No one had warned me. No one had told me about the health concerns that may happen or and especially no one ever talked to me about uh, it goes for this many years and then once you're through there's life at the end of the tunnel you know there's a lot of goodness that comes post-menopause like, like all of those things that just I'd never heard yeah exactly like it's not this kind of tunnel that you're going into that's getting darker and darker yeah. and there's no light at the end of it you know that's what it can feel like probably because it's so opaque and no one really well, talks right. about it that much as being a good time in your life for some people like I've heard women friends of mine in their 50s and 60s telling me you know it's kind of the best time in their life in a way yeah. as well. Their kids are grown up. They can go back to hobbies. They might be winding down um, hectic careers. They might have more freedom. So there's the upsides as well, I guess. Absolutely. And about, I, I think, I don't think I've spoken to a woman yet who's postmenopausal that has not said it's it's been the best time. Now I'm yeah. through the free, exactly the freedom that I feel. I don't care about you know thing little things don't bother me anymore. Like you know you know, this idea of how I'm meant to look a certain way according to society standards and all of this kind of stuff starts to fall away from what from the people that I've spoken to. And I just thought, God, that's a great message. And and the books that I was trying to find to help me was were just really medical. I was going to say, that's all I've really seen. Yeah. So, you know, that's partly the reason your book really spoke to me and obviously I've read it and it just is like, oh, this is relatable. Like I don't need – like it's great to know the science behind what's happening yeah. to your body. Yeah. 
But then what do I do with that? Yeah. You know, how does that relate to me getting my kids ready in the morning and not yelling at them because I've got, you know, hormonal rage or, you know, feeling like I'm really flat and low for no reason, you know, and it's not even something I'm prepared to, to deal with today because I've got so much work deadlines. So, you know, having something in there that sort of is another human or humans going through it can really help people, I think. Yeah, and that was really what I, it's really what I wanted because I felt, incredibly alone in my menopause like very lonely because I just I didn't have anyone to actually talk to uh, about it because I was here in Australia with all my community left back in America mind you they never talked to me about it either when I was over there and I just uh, for me I always learn and connect through story and as as well as long as the story particularly the story rather is coming from a person who's lived it so I was like, I'm going to write a book about menopause and I'm going to write it as honestly and as raw as I possibly can and hopefully it helps somebody out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it has. And I guess, you know, from the book, is it sort of led you to any further thinking about, you know, perhaps another book and in what that might look like, you know, particularly in, in you know, celebrating that best time of your life, which is apparently coming or here and now, according <laughs> to most women I speak to. Yeah, that's right. Oh, look, I, there's definitely more writing I want to do. I haven't solidified the idea yet. I'm, I'm open to all ideas at the, at the moment. So yeah, that might be something that, that uh, becomes a second book. I'm not sure yet. Maybe a children's book, even linking your early childhood oh, there's, love. <laughs> there's definitely a children's book. I have actually started one. I've had that one going for a while, so but we'll see if that one gets finished. <laughs> Excellent. In your in your career and life, I always think people have had mentors. Sometimes they're formal, sometimes they're informal. They could be family members or friends, for example. Is there one or two that really stand out for you and what have they taught you about life? Yeah, look, I think it's such a good question. I think my my first mentors were definitely my grandparents and they were just two of the kindest, most humble and lovely people. They were happy and they were incredibly poor. They never owned a house. They just rented this little old fibro place. But the, my happiest memories were always with them. I was always just allowed to be 100% me and celebrated for anything and, 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 and anything and everything I did or nothing that I did. And I, yeah, I, I think about them all the time, you know, when we get caught up in this idea of money, 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 gotta, gotta, gotta. And I'm like, oh, I know. you know, <laughs> and they never complained. Not once did yep. they complain. That, I think that might be a generational thing. My grandmother was very much the same, very humble. You know, I, I'm back living on the Central Coast now, but I grew up on the Central Coast and, you know, it, now it's sea change, you know, heaven for rich Sydney siders. But, yeah. you know, growing up in Woi Woi wasn't, like it is now and you know same thing I mean she had the same furniture for 50 years <laughs> yeah you know like you know the Corningware came out everything was made at home same thing not a lot of money worked really really hard but always celebrated my successes even if sometimes I felt like oh gosh this is probably really unrelatable to you you know I'm going to a fancy boarding school and I'm you know going to university and all the things that you know some ways could create division I always think oh she just championed all of it even if she didn't understand everything I was doing that's gorgeous yeah so if we spoke in a year's time, what would be your number one goal to have achieved and why? Oh, do you know, in a year's time, I would like to have 
I'd actually like, definitely like to have a second book, either idea 100% confirmed or at least started writing it. That's a good goal. Yeah, because I really, <laughs> I really want to keep that going because I enjoyed it so much. But more than that, it's actually to feel more at peace. I'm just finding myself running a little too fast and a little too long. Yes. I'm a little out of breath yep. and I'm a little tired. <laughs> I think it's post-COVID fatigue, it is, I've decided. There's so much going on in the world, so much going on. And I just, I, I, actually world peace, I could I could share it even further out than that. I'd, li- I'd like there to be world peace in a, in a year's time. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? As we wrap up our conversation today, what would be your final takeaway message for anyone listening who wants to know a bit more about the politics of of menopause and maybe just a final kind of message for them? I think it's really about listening to your body, not ignoring any of the signals, going and finding someone who you trust, uh, who has a lot of knowledge about menopause and getting the help that you need because no one should be suffering through menopause there's so much help out there and it's just time to talk about it there's nothing to be ashamed about having menopause going through it and remember that the other side is a lot brighter and lighter absolutely well thank you so much for your time today and if you do want to connect with Alison there'll be some details on the show notes until next time take care thank you so much thanks so much for listening today if you've enjoyed the politics of everything I thrive on your feedback so please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.